Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Beyond 28 Podcast, presented by Chase, a show designed to keep the conversation around black history going all year long. We're going to continue to celebrate the excellence, the joy, and the love that is black culture and the black community. Each month, a new episode will explore the influence and impact black people not only have made historically, but also continue to make each and every day. I'm your host, Mark J. Spears, so kick back and relax as we get right into it. This month on Beyond 28, we talk with those who are committed to supporting the black community as family and creating safety nets through access to food and community support. In the past year and a half, the world has had to lean on each other for support. With a global pandemic and continued political unrest, it's been vital that the black community looks inward to support their people. In the next episode, you'll hear from some amazing organizers and athletes that are putting in the work to not only feed their communities, but celebrate their rich traditions. First, in our center court segment, we talk with Kalena Azabuike about his organization, The Athletes Corner, that uses sports as a vehicle of healing and is committed to feeding families. And later, we go beyond the court and talk with Adrian Williams and brother Clint Sockwell from The Village Project. Their organization provides vital resources for the San Francisco community, as well as producing an annual Kwanzaa program each year, teaching young kids the importance of the holiday. So kick back and get ready for some knowledge. Welcome to Beyond 28. In our next segment, we have the pleasure of speaking with former NBA player and sports commentator Kalena Azebuike. Azebuike took his passion for sports and love for philanthropy and helping others to start the nonprofit The Athletes Corner, a place for communities to heal through sports and provide food to those in need. We'll hear how he had to adjust to moving to the U.S. from London and how his faith led him to work in philanthropy. Today's guest is one of my boys, man, former NBA player, voice of the Warriors. Welcome to the show, Kalena Azabuike. What's up, Kalena? I'm good, man. How you been, brother? Oh, shoot. Trying to figure out the world, man. Good to hear your voice. I've always been curious about your Nigerian background, especially as I get to know more and more about the continent. First thing I wanted to ask you, uh, being the child of immigrants from Nigeria and growing up in London, what was it like moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma? It was different. I was born in London. My parents are Nigerian, like you say, and they wanted us to be raised in America. And so that was their ultimate goal. So the first place we moved to was Dallas. And then we moved to Tulsa after that. And it was definitely different, but it was kind of the first real home we remember. So how did you get into basketball? And when you first brought up, you had a love for the game to your parents. What was their reaction? Well, we were all about soccer growing up, especially coming from London. We, we knew that soccer was big there. 
And I didn't really know much about basketball when we moved to the States, but my brother got into basketball first. I believe I was in second grade when I started watching him a little more and just kind of fell in love with basketball, watching him play. At first, I was not good. I was terrible. In fact, my first basket was actually for the other team. I finally learned the rules of the game and got better and better. And then I got good enough to get a scholarship to Kentucky and the rest is kind of history. You've gotten into philanthropy a lot. Is that something that was instilled into you from your family? And then also uh, tell us about the athlete's corner. Definitely. We were raised to believe that you're blessed to be a blessing. And we've been Christians all our lives and just feel like giving back is what we're supposed to do. It's our responsibility. When you're put in a position where you can give back, you, you give back. And that's always been instilled in us from a very young age thanks to my parents. And so the Athletes Corner, basically I started it with my co-founder, Brennan Career. We basically work with athletes to help encourage, uplift, encourage families that are struggling physically, mentally, and spiritually through the avenue of sports. So we're all about family, um, faith and family. And we basically help athletes to kind of use their platform for good. And we can come behind them and amplify whatever it is they're doing, whatever it is they're passionate about when it comes to giving back, as long as it's something to do with faith and family, which is pretty broad subjects. And a lot of different things can fit into those two little categories. And so it's, it's really been a blessing. We've been able to work with a lot of athletes across the board, different sports, teamed up with the Warriors to do Swishes for Dishes, which is 100 meals for every point scored. And this is the second year we're doing that. We'll get to a million meals this season again. And it's been cool to see how people have reacted to it. We just kind of wanted to make it kind of a fun, innovative thing that the fans can get into and it can take place during a season and the players can be a part of it in their own way, basically scoring buckets and just knowing that every time they score, it means more than just a point on the scoreboard means people are getting fed so we're proud of it and we want to do much more and we kind of launched it really launched it during the pandemic and food insecurity was was a big issue so we just feel like as a nonprofit organization we can just kind of pivot into whatever we feel like the need is during that time and so we wanted to do whatever we could to help and we just wanted to get creative and work with athletes to do that and so We've worked with a lot of NFL players, basketball, and it's it's been pretty cool to see God kind of do his thing. And it's just kind of our ministry tool, our tool to give back. And we just kind of hand it over to God and he's He's kind of taking it where he wants it to go. And so it's been a blessing to kind of to see people get blessed and people get fed because there's people still struggling. Food insecurity is still a huge issue. The pandemic is still going on obviously but there's people that have lost their livelihoods it's not like once everything kind of gets back to normal or gets closer to getting back to normal gradually that people are just going to be okay there's people that are still hurting out there and so we want to be able to help meet that need and be a vessel for god to use in that way so it's been amazing to watch and we're looking to do more 
I did want to ask you, having spent time in Tulsa, were you familiar with the Tulsa race riots? And did you ever go to that memorial that they have there? Yeah, I, I never went to the memorial. I, honestly, in the curriculums, the Tulsa curriculums, it wasn't even in there until later on. And so I didn't hear about the the Tulsa race riots and all those different things that happened, the Tulsa massacre, until I was almost done with college and I was in Kentucky. Next time I go to Tulsa, I'd love to to get more into that and visit the memorial and all that stuff. That's a problem that it, it wasn't in the curriculum until 2020 might be the first time they actually agreed to put it in curriculum to start teaching about it. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, I think it's definitely important that it's in curriculum so children and young adults understand what people are capable of. And so they can move accordingly, but also we still have a lot of work to do we have come a long way, but it's important that we, we move forward knowing that, that they, this, this is what people are capable of. And it's kind of different now. It's, it's more systemic and it's more subtle. There's still that issue in our world today and in our country. So it's interesting. It wasn't in curriculums. No one talked about it when I was in school. I had no idea about it. And that's, that's sad. But that's how it was. It was kind of suppressed and they didn't want us to learn about it in school. Our history books were just kind of, they just picked and chose whatever they wanted to put in the history books and, and taught us that. And so, yeah, it's, it's upsetting, but that's how it was back then. And so I'm, I'm glad I've, I've learned about it now. And it's horrifying to think about what happened. As, as horrifying as it is, people need to know about it and kids need to be taught that and, and understand what happened so they can understand the world they're living in, but also understand that, hey, we can be optimistic and learn to love. Uh, hate is learned, racism is learned, but we can learn to love and, and not be colorblind, but see everybody, all colors and embrace everybody. Our, our differences is what is beautiful about all of us together. How much did your faith play a role in you starting Athletes Corner? That was the main thing. I've always felt like the two go hand in hand. My relationship with Jesus is my life and everything I've been through with my family and my career, it all revolves around that. And that's that's kind of my identity. That is my identity, not kind of. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I believe that that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give back. I'm supposed to do my best to, to bless other people, try to meet other people's needs and let God work through me in that way. So my co-founder is the exact same way. I don't feel right unless I'm doing something ministry-wise to, to give back, to help people. I don't want to just be kind of living life for myself. And, and the Athlete's Corner really scratches that itch, that ministry itch for me. So that's what it's about for me. And it's cool to be able to do it in a way that really hasn't been done the way we're doing it because we, we got the the social media aspect and really we just try to amplify when other athletes are talking about their faith or anything that really inspires them, anything of substance, anything that's encouraging, uplifting, because we feel like social media is so, in a lot of ways, it can be so depressing and people have anxiety and mental issues because of social media in a lot of different ways and, and their identities on social media and that can be really detrimental to their health and their mental health in a lot of different ways. 
and a lot of the stuff that's on social media isn't really that uplifting and you see someone else's life that you almost envy and it makes you feel bad about yours and people compare themselves to other people. We just wanted to kind of change the conversation and just when people look at our social media, they, they're encouraged, they're uplifted, they're looking to God and, and that's what it's about for us. We just want to help people and encourage them and uplift families as much as we can. We feel like families are so important, especially for young adults and, and kids growing up to have that family stability and whatever we can do to strengthen that and help families stay together is super important for us. And I feel like the youth is our future. The more we can help them and help them grow in a healthy way, the better. It's kind of all encompassing when it comes to faith and family. We kind of try to aim our initiatives and campaigns towards those two things. How important is it to you or how much gratification do you get from feeding families? It's huge. It's, it's super gratifying, especially when we get to be on the ground and actually help serve. And that's what we've been able to do with different food banks and the events with the Warriors and Kaiser Permanente. We get to actually hand out these meals to people. And, and it's interesting because you see people that seem to be doing fine, drive through there with nice cars and they were doing well, but then the pandemic hit and and now they've fallen on tough times. And it's really sad what the pandemic has, has done to people and how it's affected people. So to go out there and, and be able to hand people these meals, these big boxes of meals and, and understand that they, they're gonna be well fed for at least a while, it feels really good. So it's more blessed to give than to receive. It, it really is. And when you get to experience someone being blessed by something you have a hand in, there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. So I'm, I'm just thankful to, to be able to help and thankful to the Warriors and Kaiser Permanente. They're like-minded. They're, they're all about having a positive impact in the community and helping in whatever way they can. And so we all came together to get this Swishes for Dishes initiative off the ground. And it's been a tremendous success. And the best part is actually being on the ground and seeing the meals being delivered to these families and seeing their faces and, and hearing them say thank you and, and God bless you and all these different things. It's, it's beautiful. And lastly, what's uh, next for your program? What do you hope to do in the future? Just to expand, we want to do more than just meals. We want to do clothes. We want to do school supplies. We want to do anything that can help families. We're just going to expand and go into more sports, work with more athletes, more teams. We're getting other brands on board. It's going to get bigger and bigger, and we just want to have a, a bigger impact. The social media is growing, doing as much as we can, more campaigns, more athletes. Where we are right now, we could have never imagined being here at this early in our existence because we just got, we just launched not too long ago. It's been pretty cool to see and, and we have so many different ideas. We just want to be the go-to when it comes to faith and family and sports. We're kind of occupying that brain space among athletes right now. We kind of want to help them and, and come behind whatever it is they're doing, be the foundation behind the athlete foundations and be kind of the conduit for brands and companies to work with multiple athletes we bring a lot of value in that way. So we're just going to expand and, and grow it. Kalana, man, continue success on the court, in the community. Thank you for everything you're doing for the world, man. And uh, I'll catch you soon, brother. Thanks for being on Beyond 28. 
Appreciate you having me, brother. Yeah, hope to see you All soon, right. man. Our next guests are Adrian Williams, executive director of The Village Project, and brother Clint Sockwell, who leads the organization's annual Kwanzaa program. We'll talk to them about The Village Project, which provides vital resources to the San Francisco community, such as senior programs, summer camps, and food distribution. Most importantly, The Village Project conducts an annual Kwanzaa program led by brother Clint, where youth learn the tenets of Kwanzaa, the history of the holiday, and why it's important to the black community. Kwanzaa was introduced by Dr. Maulana Karenga in 1966 to the United States and is a ritual to welcome the first harvest to the home. I'd like to start off by saying uh, Habarigani. Kwanzaa. Brother Clint, what is the organization's mission? The organization's mission is to empower black people, to empower the children. And so Adrian's mission with the Village Project was to teach the children what they needed to know as they went into the future. So out of the Village Project came uh, Adrian's desire to educate the children about Kwanzaa. And Kwanzaa is um, a celebration that was started in 1966 during the Civil Rights Movement by a man named Molana Karenga. He was the president of the US organization, which was a brother organization to the Black Panthers at that time. And he and a lot of good sisters, and during Kwanzaa, we're gonna actually name some of those sisters. I can't recall them right off the top of my head. Molana Karenga and just an army of black women created the first celebration for Kwanzaa in uh, Southern California, in Watts, I believe it was. In the celebration, he introduced the Nguzu Saba. The Nguzu Saba are seven principles that black people can live by, that they can incorporate into their daily life that will heal the community. There's uh, seven principles, and one principle is celebrated each day, and it's called the Nguzu Saba. If you go to the uh, Village Project website, you'll see a song that we share with the world in regards to how to Kwanzaa. That's how we came together, Adrian, wanting to educate the children and the community about Kwanzaa. We started doing Kwanzaa all over San Francisco and all of the neighborhoods where there were black people. We started out maybe doing one a day, and then Adrian, being the overachiever that she is, started doing two a day. And uh, I think last year we did 17 or 18 stops on the Kwanzaa tour. The year before last. I call it pre-pandemic. Yeah. We, and so what we try to do is bring together all of the community service organization, the nonprofits, and they co-sponsor a principal a day. The Village Project's Kwanzaa celebration is really the official Kwanzaa celebration here in San Francisco. We work with the mayor's office. Historically, we opened at City Hall, Umoja, uh, the first day of Kwanzaa unity is historically done at City Hall, unless it falls on the weekend. And this year, we will still be doing Kwanzaa virtually, with the exception that we will be doing one Kwanzaa on the 27th, Fuji Shakalia at City Hall. Mulana Karani, in his wisdom, began the first day celebration on the 26th. So everybody wants to get their Christmas on and get their Christmas on. And then the following day, they would celebrate Umoja. Umoja is a Swahili word. In fact, Molana Karenga used Swahili words for each of the descriptions of 
the Nguzu Saba. So on the 26th, we celebrate Umoja, Umoja's unity. And that's the way it should always be. We need to be together. And then on the 27th, we celebrate Kuji Chagulia, which is self-determination. And self-determination is what all of us have to have if we're going to make our dreams come true. On the 28th, we celebrate Ujima, collective work and responsibility. So everybody's got something to do. They got a quarterback, they got linemen, they got running backs, but all of them make up one team. So collective work and responsibility. And then on the fourth day, which is one of my favorites, is Ujima'a, which is cooperative economics. That means we should spend our money with our folks. On the next day of Kwanzaa, which is the 29th, we celebrate Nia. Nia is purpose. You have to have a purpose when you get up in the morning. Otherwise, you know what I mean? You kind of waste a few hours of your day trying to figure out what it is you want to do with the day. Kuumba is creativity, and it's, it's important that we are creative in our existence. And then uh, Kuumba is also the day that we celebrate and share gifts. So on Kwanzaa, you don't buy gifts. So on Kuumba is when the children would make something and uh, they would share it with each other. And it's also New Year's Eve. And then the last day of Kwanzaa, we usually celebrate at home with our family, and it's uh, Imani. Imani is faith. They say hope is a wish, but faith is guaranteed. Those are the seven principles of the Nguzu Saba. And Kwanzaa is a seven-day celebration for a year-long practice. So we just want to celebrate those seven days, but we want to practice these seven principles all year long. Well, thank y'all very much. I learned what Habari Ghani means, so I learned something today, too. Learned more about Kwanzaa. I'm going to let y'all know in a couple weeks what my favorite day is, too. Thank you guys for your time, and it was certainly a pleasure. Mark, you take care of yourself as well, brother. That's all the time we have today on Beyond 28. I want to thank our guests, Adrian Williams, Brother Clint Sockwell, and Kalina Azabuike. If you like what you heard and haven't already done so, please go to the Beyond 28 page in Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. It makes a huge difference. Stay tuned next month as Beyond 28 looks back at the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm your host, Mark J. Spears from ESPN's The Undefeated. Thanks for listening. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts